On this episode of Connected Everything IoT, I'm going to be joined by my industry colleagues, Erwin Lazar and Brent Kelly, and we're going to be talking about how the Internet of Things generation communicates, whether you call them team workspaces or team chat or workstream communications. It's an exciting new space. It's growing, and we'll bring you all the details of it on our next show. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. 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 Is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Connected, Episode 12, Communication Clique. Connected is brought to you by our fine underwriters, companies like Draper. This is Connected. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Connected, Everything IoT, brought to you by AV Nation TV. I'm David Danto, your host, the IMCCA Director of Emerging Technology. Um, I'm joined on this episode by my industry colleagues, uh, Erwin Lazar and Brent Kelly, and I'll have them introduce themselves to you in a moment. We're going to talk about how the Internet of Things generation communicates, specifically around the, the hugely exploding, emerging technology of uh, team chat applications or workspace applications. You know, Slack may have been the company that started it, but you know, Microsoft has theirs, Cisco has theirs, and as you'll see, there are, um, without exaggerating, dozens of applications. And we're going to talk about the space, what's happening in it, and uh, and uh, what what we can expect from two experts who know a heck of a lot more about it than I do. Um, first, let me uh, have them introduce themselves to you. Erwin, why don't you take a second and introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Erwin Lazar, Vice President, Service Director at Nemertes Research. Thank you, Erwin. Brent. Hi, my name is Brent Kelly. I am the President and Principal Analyst at Kelcor Incorporated. I provide strategic consulting to end users and vendors, and for the end users I do process and technology assessments, product recommendations and roadmaps, and I often do TCO estimates for these clients. And for the vendors I provide strategic marketing and product advice, competitive analysis and approaches to thought leadership and how they can introduce products into the market. Terrific. Thank you both for joining me very much. And before we get started, I actually do have to, you know, press a button over here and uh, and show you guys that uh, the three of us have been honored by the IMCCA and Infocom this year. We're amongst uh, a large uh, group of people that have been designated as Emerging Technology Fellows. Um, my space covering UC video conferencing and huddle rooms. Arwen will be covering this very topic, Workstream and Team Chat, and Brent is going to be covering the cloud and uh, systems as a service. And uh, we're going to be presenting that at Infocom this year in June. I'll give you more information on uh, on how to join that later. The the website is infocomshow.org. But um, it's quite an honor. I'm I'm very pleased to be joined uh, by two other fellow fellows, if I can say that. Um, and we can then start to move forward on this topic and the discussion. So. Um, what are we talking about? I guess I fumbled over um, the the introduction of what it is. Uh, you know, Erwin, how do you describe this space? What what words do we use to describe it? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because it, it seems that that's one of the biggest challenges that, that people are having. Uh, we spend our time going out largely talking to end user organizations, and most of them are thinking about this as as chat, as as team chat. That that's kind of the initial way that uh, these applications got into the market as persistent chat, taking the, the benefits of, of SMS that people use today for most of their personal communications and bringing those into business. But team chat is kind of a restrictive term. So uh, I've heard team collaboration, persistent collaboration, work stream communications, team workspaces, and, and a whole bunch of different uh, definitions. And, and I'm starting to see the vendors trying to stake out differentiations by coming up with different names for their products, which confuses buyers even more. So the, the conceptual piece around this is there is a virtual space, the same as there would be a physical space. 
And in this virtual space, just like a physical space, everything you say is kept in the virtual space. Every document you share is kept in the virtual space. You can initiate video calls or audio calls or other systems in this virtual space. And the virtual spaces can be segmented by topic, by team, by anything else. So it, it sort of lives in the cloud all the time. Is, is, that, is that the essence of it? Yeah, so if you think about the origin, the, the way applications like Slack and Atlassian HipChat and some of the early pioneers came about is application developers realized it was very difficult to communicate using email. There's no context. You can't have group threaded discussions. You can't come back to those discussions very easily. Everything ends up in one giant inbox. So they created chat rooms, very similar to IRC is probably the, for those of you who remember IRC, where we set you set up rooms specific initially again for chat based on different topics and you can have lots of them across the organization and then they've kind of expanded beyond that to cover a lot of the areas that you mentioned david which are you know what if we put files here what if we do task management what if we incorporate voice and videos so that if i'm chatting with somebody and i really need to speak to them i can click on a button so that's where you're starting to see a lot of the differentiation in, in the market brent any number of these companies have push their products forward, and we'll show a list of them in a minute though, that, that, that Erwin, you put together, but they've put their products forward as calling it, you know, the email killer. Um, and I joke with a number of other analysts, you know, on social media all the time, like how many email killer announcement has he received via email this week versus how many have I received via email this week? Do you see this as being an email killer or, or, or something that replaces email? Or is this just, you know, more hours we're adding to our workday and less hours for our personal life? Well, I certainly don't see it as an email killer. What I do see is that certain kinds of teams are able to work more effectively if they don't have to have all of this email noise, I'll call it. But the issue rapidly becomes what happens to all those communications that you normally would get by email? Well, they get put into a team workspace, in, into a chat or a thread or a channel or a room, whatever you wish to call it. And so what some organizations have experienced is you go from email overload to team workspace thread or channel overload. And so it, it can be a matter of just moving the problem from one system to another. And as I think about team workspaces, I think marketing in as marketing these solutions as email killers is really probably not the right way to go because I feel that they have a lot of added value for people who want to work in an environment, I'll say kind of a closer environment, where they can, they can it allows them to focus on a, on a problem or a project, whereas email doesn't allow you to do that. And so I don't see it as an email killer at all. I see it as, as really a product enhancing thing and in my mind, the better solutions are beginning to now allow certain kinds of email integrations and, and reactions. So, for example, you could email from your team workspace something to people outside, or you can insert an email from outside into your uh, workspace channel. And so I think the better ones are beginning to see that it's not one or the other, that you can have both and they can live in harmony. Yeah, no, that makes sense because, you know, I use a lot of these rooms for projects with project teams. So when I have a new client or a new project that we're working on, the five or six or seven people that are working on that project team, I automatically put into one of these rooms. And, you know, I use Cisco Spark, but, you know, there, there are good ones and bad ones. We can, we'll talk about the space and, and the players in a minute. Um, but I, I have a meeting later today, actually, with the client on one of these projects, and people in the room haven't given me the information that they 
needed to give me in order to have this meeting. So I send a note in the room saying, guys, I need your input on this, and nobody answers it. So then I go to my email and email them saying, hey, have you gone to the team room lately because I need your input? And then I get an email back saying, all right, well, here's my input for the team room. So I don't, I have to figure out how to move that message over or manually type it or cut and paste so that it lives in the room. These are all very nascent. And a lot of these issues, Brent, that, you know, as you highlight, you know, we haven't seen the last of the iterations of how these things are going to come together. Well, we haven't. And um, just just that example kind of shows one of the points that I like to make with people. If you just throw these things out there, and particularly in an organization, um, it, it, it's, it's like any other piece in a process. If you don't plan for how it's going to work and you just throw it out there, chances are it's not going to be as effective. And, and I do have a personal history with this. I really tried for two years to get a team workspace to work. And, and the issue is, is that the management did not require people to work in the team workspace. And so although there were a number of people who wanted to do that, who wanted to use it, this particular effort ended up being a disaster because we didn't have the oversight and the buy-in from all of the participants that needed to be there, as well as a managerial oversight to say, folks, we would like to move to this kind of a paradigm because we believe there will be some productivity increases. If you don't have those things, there are some chances that you might have some, some problems. Erwin, tell us about the space. I'm going to put up the graphic that you put together the other day. Um, and, yeah. and, and, you know, it, when you put, I mean, I swear my jaw hit the floor. You've got some, you know, um, um, duplicates here or, you know, things that can be considered duplicates. But even just amongst the things that are unique, wow, I, I can't believe there are this many players in the space. Yeah, it's it's a crowded market. And, and you know, we've been using this now in our company for a little over a year. It, it does replace an awful lot of email going back to the, the previous discussion, but it is not really at this point well suited for external communication. If I have to bring people in from outside my company, we're still using email. Um, but just looking at the landscape, you know, if you kind of look at a year ago when we were talking to organizations, we heard two vendors. We heard Atlassian HipChat and we heard uh, Slack. And since then, which um, which I think I left Slack off here, unfortunately. Uh, so picture Slack and the emerging vendor side in the in the top right. They they've gotten the, the most attention. Uh, they've raised a lot of money. They've just recently launched an enterprise uh, offering. Since then, all of the UC vendors have jumped into the space. I'd say Cisco and Unify were probably the first two. Uh, Ring Central acquiring uh, the the Glip product. So you've seen both uh, acquisition of products as well as as developing uh, of internal products. So it it, it it is an area that's absolutely exploded. It's a big challenge for organizations. David, you mentioned you're you're working with teams and you've got to email them to jump into a room. Well, I've got nine of these applications at last count on my phone. Uh, different vendors like to use obviously their own app. Uh, different people I work with like to use their own. So that is a big, big issue. There is uh, one uh, room, uh, one organiz uh, one company called Same Room that's trying to figure out how to do federation between rooms. So yeah, I think that the, the the chasm right now is this isn't the best medium for external communications, but it's a great medium for internal and, and small team communications. Okay, and and 
ultimately, you know, I, I know that Slack was the first uh, player really in the space. They developed this. I personally haven't taken Slack very seriously because of the string of breaches the, that have happened with, with their data or potential breaches, including one just last week as we record this. So, you know, I, I, I from, an enter, from, from a small to medium business standpoint, from a Silicon Valley standpoint, people will try anything. And, you know, the, the less money that you have invested in uh, enterprise infrastructure, um, the, the greater the possibility they're going to go to one of these you know, uh, 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 nascent early early entrance into the space. But from a, from a, an enterprise standpoint, you know, uh, medium to large businesses, this looks like it's boiling down to another you know piece between you know for the most part Cisco and Microsoft. You know, Brent. You know, both players are in the space now. Cisco, gangbusters in there with their Spark product, um, and we can talk about the good and the bad of, of what, or you know, nothing bad, but you know, the idea that it's some of it's potentially not ready. Um, and Microsoft has now just released their Teams product, and that's probably like you know, by honest count, the third product they have in in a type of collaboration space. Is this ultimately going to be another Cisco versus Microsoft thing, Brent, or do you think some of the others will catch on? Well, uh, certainly there's going to be an element of that, David. Um, because these two players are so big and because so many organizations have relationships already uh, with Cisco and Microsoft, uh, of course there's going to be um, some effort uh, from the different camps within inside the organizations and from Cisco and Microsoft themselves to, to push those solutions. Will they be the only ones? No, I don't think so. I think the market is going to demand others. I think that there are others that have some very excellent products. Um, the, you know, some of the question is going to be how do some of these smaller players get the traction that you're, you know, you see immediately in a sense from Cisco and Microsoft. Um, but there are other good products out there. Um, you mentioned the security breach. I think that's very harmful, particularly for large organizations, mid-sized organizations. Um, the smaller organizations, a lot of them probably haven't even seen that, that, uh, you know, they're using Slack. They, they probably just go ahead and, uh, uh, you know, they, they don't really care. I don't know, Erwin, you've, you've got some experience with uh, some of these uh, solutions firsthand that you and your team use. Do, does that security breach bother you at all? I mean, you can have a firsthand sense on that. Sure, yeah, and, and to be fair, it wasn't a breach. It was uh, Slack has a bounty program. Somebody found a bug that would have allowed, had they exploited it, would have allowed them to uh, uh, to get into other people's team space and have full access to it, but they, fortunately they didn't. They reported it within five hours, it was fixed. Um, going back to the, so yeah, I, I mean, we definitely are concerned about it, and you definitely see other vendors like like Flock, like Cisco, like Symphony, trying to position themselves as far more secure than Slack and, and attack Slack on that front. Um, but I think that you know, going back to that larger Cisco Microsoft debate, the conversations I've had with when I'm talking to people in IT are, yeah, we like the concept of Team Chat, but why do I pay Slack if I get this for free in Office 365 through Microsoft Teams? Um, if I'm a Cisco voice and video shop, why would I use anything other than, than Spark? So those vendors definitely have a, a leg up where they, they live, uh, you know, where they have large installed bases, where they're critical partners. Uh, but also a lot of this is happening outside of IT uh, or outside of, you know, the traditional UC collaboration functions within IT. So if you look at where Slack is and, and HipChat, again, as I mentioned earlier, go talk to application developers and they're the ones that are all over these tools or they're using you know, a number of the open source tools that are out there. 
Uh, and then those tools, kind of, the, the, the normal progression that I've seen is they kind of go viral. They start in app dev, then they start to broaden out into the rest of IT. And the, where Slack has been able to, to sort of make a, a case is they're, they're, and in my experience using Slack for some of the other ones is they're, they're a couple of years ahead in the development cycle, the ease of use, the external functionality, the partnerships that they've just announced with SAP, Salesforce, uh, IBM and others. Uh, you know, kind of gives them at least a, a toehold in the enterprise, but it is a challenge for them to to fight off the the. I already get this for free. Why do I need to pay another seven, twelve dollars a user for something else? Yeah, the the I already get this for free, or it's for free, is one of the things you know that makes my spine crawl when I hear somebody say that because the the cost of of a lot of the things that a lot of the vendors say out there are free scares. The everything out of me. Um, one of the interesting uh, uh, macro trends that's going on in the space right now, um, if you look at this from a collaboration standpoint and to a certain extent from an AV and traditional IT hardware standpoint, when we were talking about collaboration 10 years ago, we were talking about, you know, immersive systems that were, you know, one, two, three hundred thousand dollars and more each, plus exactly the same amount of money just to get them installed with the room remediation. And, and you know, the larger vendors in the space were making a lot of money on that hardware and the integrators are making a lot of money and there were a lot of guys like us consultants around that were providing services to clients for free because there was plenty of margin in there to do that and those you know half million dollar systems that you know maybe two years ago became you know forty fifty thousand dollar systems are now you know a thousand two thousand three thousand for a really excellent room collaboration conferencing system and less than that for a huddle room system and if you're a Cisco or another, you know, hardware manufacturer, you're looking at the space or an integrator and the, th the margin's gone. So most of the manufacturers and service providers are, are pushing into the space, not just because there are other, you know, providers that are, that are emerging, but they're pushing into the space because they feel they need to get on that annuity revenue stream. They're not going to make any money selling hardware anymore. They've got to get enterprise license agreements that couple of hundred dollars a month for each device that's on the system and each person that's using the team chat seems to be the only way that they can make money going forward. And we have to look at all of these applications in light of that. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, and I would say there's an opportunity for tying these applications into business process and workflow. So, you know, work stream communications is a, a term that, that some of the analysts that have used because now you're taking um, you're, you're taking the team chat space and you're turning it into kind of a dashboard for for how you work. And, and I know, you know, not to borrow Slack's marketing term, but uh, Slack, Cisco, and others are, are working on partnerships that would allow you to do things like approvals, uh, status updates. Um, checking sales figures and so on all through the, the, the collaboration application. Well, to, to make all that work is going to require somebody to either develop custom solutions, to build the integrations, to, to manage the integration. So that opens up some new opportunities for, for systems integrators as they look at, at how they move on from box sales and system sales. I think everyone so, kind of raises a, a good point there, though, and, and David, you sort of alluded to it, too, and it's kind of, how much does this free software cost me? <laughs> because it's, you know, if you're going to do these interesting things that Erwin just talked about, those are not free. If you're going to do these integrations, now I get it that some of these workspace solutions have integrations in with Box and Dropbox and uh, Trello and all these things, okay? But still, each organization has their own processes. And so these tools, whether or not they're free, 
there needs to be some process engineering done as to how is my organization going to use those. And even if I get them in quotations for free from Cisco and Microsoft, chances are there's going to need to be some element of training involved here or some element of how do I really want to use this if this is going to be of, of great value to an organization. Again, I go back to this idea of in any process, you have people, process, and technology. And normally, if you introduce a new technology, then you have to engineer how that works with your processes and you have to train your people. So regardless of where you, whether you get it for free from Cisco or Microsoft or whomever you get it from, you have these other two elements. The technology may be free, but the people in the processes still have to be worked on to get the best benefit out of it, at least in my mind. Yeah, and Brent, we also have the situation where um, the, the, a lot of the larger players in the space are selling on the roadmap. They're, they're, they're pushing features out and getting clients and customers to buy into them before they're actually fully baked and ready. And I don't want to call any specific manufacturers out, but I can think of a half dozen uh, without blinking that, that this is the direction they want to go in to make that annuity revenue, but it's really not ready yet. Well, not only that, but um, these products are often being developed in what's called an agile uh, programming environment so that there's constant tweaks and changes to it. And so if I'm a user of one of these products and these things change or get tweaked, I may not even know about some of these better features or something like that. Um, and one of the interesting things in a different product, not a teamwork space, but in a WebRTC product, Google tweaked something and it broke the browser capability for that particular solution. Can that happen in these Agile environments? Well, maybe it, it, it can. And so I'm not saying that Agile is bad by any means. I'm just saying as a user, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Every time I, I use this tool now, I may have different functionality or different capabilities or stuff that I'd like to use, but I just don't know about. Yeah, and it's funny. I have right over, I, you can't see, in, in my uh, workshop down here, a display connected to one of the, the, the team chat spaces that I literally had to unplug to do this recording because the latest beta software that I got on, it keeps flashing it on and off, and you can see the lights coming on my face on and off. And again, I didn't buy into that change. And, uh, you know, in fairness, I'm, I'm in a beta environment, so I've asked for these things to come through. But you're right, the changes come and nobody understands what's going on with them. Um, it becomes kind of silly at this point to be working in that agile space while the manufacturers and service providers are selling the services and products as if they're done. I, let me kind of take a little bit of a, a contrary, I guess, opinion. It, that's where the world is and that's where it's heading. Uh, most companies now are using cloud-based software like Salesforce for, for uh, CRM. They're getting weekly, nightly updates. Um, they're, they're, you know, the, the days of Enterprise software being updated every three years, I think, are, are largely over for most organizations. But it is a big challenge. It is a challenge to, to deal with the governance issues and what you know, making sure that changes that are made don't break things. Um, when we're having our conversations with enterprise organizations and talking to them about how they adopt and some of the things I'll be covering in my session at Enterprise Connect, uh, you know, there's two big factors that come in. One is, um, you know, how does this integrate with the, the collaboration applications I have today, as, as we talked about a little bit earlier? And then secondly, how do I, how do I govern it? Um, how do I deal with things like retention and compliance and exporting of the data into a repository where if the uh, federal government shows up and wants a copy of all of my messages because they present me with a subpoena, how do I give that to them? So all of those kind of, of functions are, are where these applications have to start to grow up to, to survive in, in a large, you know, mid to large size enterprise environment. 
So, Erwin, your organization, Nemertes, you've done some uh, some research around uh, adoption and uptake on this, right? Can you give mm-hmm. us any insight, you know, without revealing any confidences, you know, how, how much the space is growing and, uh, and, and if we think it's as hot as we think it is? Yeah, we, we published uh, the last two years now data on enterprise adoption. It's based on a study that we do every uh, middle of every year. So we did it middle of, of 16. We'll, we'll start it again soon. Uh, went from about 2% utilization in 2015 to about 30%, 32% utilization in 2016. Again, mostly in work groups. Um, I didn't come across more than, a, other than a couple of small companies, really didn't come across anyone who had gone for an enterprise-wide deployment of, of these apps but a lot of pilots that are going on, you know, again, Cisco shops looking at, at Spark, uh, a lot of uh, smaller companies using things like, like Slack. Uh, so we're starting to see, you know, go back to that chart we put up earlier because there eight, not only are there so many solutions out there, but all of the UC vendors now have a solution. I can't think of any off the top of my head that don't have a messaging application or haven't involved their, their former instant messaging applications to now be more persistent uh, team chat style apps. So you're starting to see realization that this solves a real problem. Um, you know, again, in our company, we I can't remember the last time I sent an internal email where I actually opened up email and composed and sent to my coworkers. Any email I'm sending to my coworkers is something I'm forwarding from outside the company. Uh, it is a much more effective means for, and we're a virtual company, 10 people scattered around the country. Uh, it is a much, much more effective means of, of communicating than, than email. Well, two th- two points to what you said there briefly, and then I'll let you go, Brent. The um the your organization has had been a great adopter of it, but as you point out, it's a it's a you have a small number of people, you have mm-hmm. a very very tight group. When you get into the hundreds and thousands of people, that's when you start to get some of the outliers. But in your research, did you see anything going down as team chat went up? Did you look at it based on any kind of correlation? I didn't. Um, you know, we did ask uh, sort of anecdotally where what is it replacing, and we do find that people are gravitating to it as an alternative to email, again, largely around projects and around team communication. So, you know, the niche that, that it's filling. Um, and again, almost uh, entirely internal uh, based communication. Brent, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just a couple of points I'd like to make. Um, so one of the interesting things that happened when instant messaging came on the scene, and this is enterprise instant messaging, is that I noticed internally within my organization, we did a lot less internal email because a lot of our conversations were uh, what I will call transactional. And you can do those kinds of things really well sometimes in an instant messaging solution. And so the thing that Erwin mentioned about how um, the, the number of emails have gone down because of the team chat, I actually saw that because of instant messaging. When we needed to email, we did. You know, for example, if we couldn't get somebody sooner or, you know, there there's some delays sometimes that you see in an asynchronous type of communication. The other thing with respect to the vendors, um, so I think a lot of the vendors are bringing these solutions along, not necessarily because they see there's a big market for it, but I think it's more from competitive pressure and the idea of a, of a checkbox in an RFP or somebody saying, do you have that? I've actually talked to a couple of the vendors that have these solutions. And, you know, if you kind of look under the covers, their sales of these things really are abysmal. So mostly they're, the, for some of them I'll say, they're there only because they have to deal with competitive pressures and they have to have a checkbox. Do you have a team workspace solution? So I think what we're going to see is 
uh, you know, all the vendors are going to push these because they're kind of the hot topic du jour. And the question is, are they going to remain the hot topic or is this kind of a fad or a phase that we're going through? Kind of like we did with UC clients and, you know, we, we went IM and then we begin integrating those with voice. And so will team workspaces kind of end up there's sort of a separate app that you kind of do right now, and, and people are now adding these different things, voice and video and screen sharing and, and all the things you would sort of kind of get in a UC client. I don't know if, if a team workspace is going to remain a separate thing or not down the road. We're going to have to come up with a standard name for these things that we agree on if they're going to be the next Nirvana at the trade shows. You know, it was SIP trunks were going to take over the world and WebRTC was going to take over the world. If this is going to take over the world, we got to come up with a name for it. It's going to be difficult to call it, you know, this thing around team persistent workspace chat work stream yeah. things. Um, Brent, I'll ask you, where do we, where should organizations start? You know, if you're a medium-sized business, you see all the stuff going on around you. You, you know, do you, do you, you know, shadow IT is out there all the time. Do you download Slack? Do you, do you, do you go to your UC provider? How, how would somebody, you know, come up to speed and get research on this? Other than visiting us at the various trade shows, what would be a first step um, to understanding the space? Well, I, I think Erwin's kind of alluded to this and really what's happening in, in many inter, um, enterprises and organizations. You know, they're kind of dipping their toe in the water and they're, uh, you know, they're getting a sense for what these kinds of things, what these kinds of tools can do. And, and I think that's a good solution. But once you've done that, I think it then requires the organization to take a step back and say, okay, how do we want to really work this into our business process. If this is really going to be a, a, a solution, even if it's for certain teams, even if it doesn't go corporate wide for different teams that we use this, is there any structure that we want to add on top of this or, or ways that we want our people to use it? Like I say, I tried for two years really, really hard to try to make one of these solutions work. It's a solution that everybody here would know. I could, we could not get it to work in our organization because we didn't have that level of managerial oversight. And so I guess trying these things out is, is awesome. It's a great way to get a feel for what they do. And the, and the larger question is, then do you want to deploy that more broadly in your organization? And if you are, what about all these other issues of how do you train people to use it? How do you do the kinds of things that Erwin was talking about with respect to compliance, with respect to archival, making sure that it's really going to meet the needs of your organization and you're not going to have a, a glitch or a hole in it. So that's just kind of my advice. Yeah, sure. Try it out. Do great things with it in, in small teams. Um, but down the road and for a broader deployment, probably look for a little bit more oversight uh, in your organization, at least to some extent. Erwin, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and just as a, an anecdote, about two years ago, I tried to get a few people in my company to use HipChat. And because uh, at the time it was me and two other analysts and, and my boss didn't want to use it, it went nowhere, similar to, to Brent's experience. Uh, when we tried again a year later, I sort of said to my boss, you know, give, give it a week, just try it and see what you think. And within two weeks, we had the entire company clamoring to get on it because it, 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 people saw the value right away. But it, it's a lot of, you know, like that with a lot of technologies, we talk about 
things like desktop video, for example, if, if my boss doesn't want to use desktop video, it's probably not going to get widely used in my organization. So you do need to get that executive buy-in in order for, uh, for a lot of these startup applications to, to find uh, significant deployment beyond small work groups. All right. And, and, you know, to, to ask the question, you know, the, the 300 pound gorilla, you know, it's 2017 for gosh sakes, and we're still talking about interoperability between various systems around video collaboration, conferencing, and, and granted, there are now solutions that you can use to interoperably collaborate. You know, we're on one of them right now, Blue Jeans. We thank them very much for providing the ability for us to video chat and record for the show. Um, but, you know, how can we be talking about a whole new nascent field of a brand new technology and still be saying, well, you got to be in everybody's walled garden? Is Will any of these manufacturers allow interoperability between these persistent chat spaces? Or is that just, you know, pie in the sky, you know, as, as it's never happened in any of the other collaboration pieces we have? So we remember, uh, for those of you who've been going Enterprise Connect for a long time, you know, IBM and Microsoft standing on the stage, shaking hands, saying we will have same time link interoperability by the end of this year. And, you know, of course, that never happened. Um, there's no real incentive for, for the larger vendors to, to open up their, their platforms to allow somebody on Slack to communicate with somebody on Spark who might be communicating with somebody on Teams. Like I mentioned, there's a, a platform out there called SameRoom. There's an open source project called Matrix that are trying to make this work. But absent any financial incentive for a vendor to open up to third, you know, to allow other people to, to connect in, I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, there's a, there's a company called Nextplane that tries to do this in the unified communications world where, you know, you can deploy them and um, then your instant messaging solutions, at least to some extent, can, can interact. Um, I guess the question is, where is the money? If you are trying to develop a team space, how do you monetize that if everybody doesn't have to use your team space? You, you know, it, it really comes down to a question of where's the money and how do I make money as a company if I'm going to take the time and energy to develop a team, team workspace solution? Why do I want it to integrate in with somebody else? The only way that that's going to happen is if there's something big enough that causes the vendors to have to, uh, I'll say, federate these workspaces together. And so far, there hasn't been anything big enough. When I say anything big enough, the federal government could be something big enough that says, we're going to use you know, certain kinds of team workspaces, and they must uh, integrate in together. Um, or you might get some big consumer organizations. But see, even at the level of, of Cisco and Microsoft, who most organizations have, a lot of organizations want them to work together. And you know, each of the companies have done a few things to kind of sort of make them work, but there's still glitches and, you know, and it's not easy. And they intentionally make it not easy because otherwise, how do they make their money? And they have to make money to, to you know, provide these products and services. It's uh, you're, you're both right. It's just stunning to me that we've gone as far as we have and we're still talking about collaboration applications that are only specific to individual manufacturers. You know, and, and uh, you know, you go back to, you know, I'm an old Bell system guy before uh, Judge Green broke up the Bell system. It was all developed under Monopoly. And ever since that Monopoly broke up, nothing's worked with anything else. And the only schema we have that's universal is still the dialing system that was created under the Monopoly. So it's 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 a little bit uncomfortable to see that this 
many years later with this many pieces, we're still going to now have arguments about our system is better than your system and you can't communicate from your system to our system. And, you know, it's sad that interoperability is still now on the table now that it's almost been solved around visual collaboration. Yeah, but it, it's, uh, you know, like to Brent's point, I think that's that's the, the, the nature of the beast. Um, at least, at the very least, all of the tools that I've used make it real easy to invite somebody from outside your organization to participate in a team space. So compared to, you know, enterprise IM platforms, which tended to be fairly closed, we've, we've at least slain that dragon. Oh, yeah. Actually, Brent, that's a good point, because I remember your presentation um, last year at a couple of events where you were talking about the era of federation is dead. You no longer need IT to federate. You can simply federate over emails. Will this whole thing speed that up? Well, we were talking about that in the context of Microsoft Groups, I think, because they had this, well, Microsoft Groups allows people to work really nicely with people outside your organization. Um, it's interesting, though, when you look at the, the current Microsoft Teams product, there is no way to bring people in from outside. In fact, in the Office 365 cloud, you can't even work with other Office 365 users that are outside of your, basically, your domain. And so I think that's going to be changed. And, you know, I'm not knocking anybody. But the idea of, I think Erwin said it pretty clearly. He, he, I, did you say you have like nine of these clients, Erwin, on your desktop right now? Last last uh, check, yeah, it was it was eight or nine, and having conversations with people in all of them. So it, the the phone screen becomes my universal notification system. Well, you know, so that's a, that's exactly right. And and how many of these clients are you going to want on your desktop? So I think yeah, there's there's a cry for federation. We're all, we're all going stop. You're killing me with all these things. But at the end of the day, you know, our work work environments, Irwin's and mine and, and yours to some extent, David, we work with lots of people and lots of vendors and lots of companies. And that's probably why we have this problem of tool pro proliferation. Whereas if we were inside of an organization, we'd probably choose one, I would guess, and, and we wouldn't have that issue. So maybe the issue of federation is more a kind of a moot point because if you're inside your organization and you can invite people from outside your organization, suppliers or customers or something, to use the tool that you standardized on, then maybe it's not such a big issue. Yeah, and it's interesting because inside our enterprise, it simplified our environment. So prior to us uh, rolling out Slack internally, we used Chatter and Salesforce for our sales-related conversations and kind of our persistent chat. We used Skype for our quick instant messaging without really the ability to save those rooms and keep them up and running. And we used email. And so going away from those, you know, now I do 99% of my internal communication in Slack and I don't need to check email as frequently. And I, you know, we obviously don't use chatter or, or Skype anymore. Okay. Well, gentlemen, this is a very confusing topic, but it's certainly exploding. And I think we've pointed a, a lot of people in the right direction to understand some of the basics of it. Uh, we mentioned a few times Enterprise Connect. I'm going to get a chance to see the two of you and many other colleagues um, at the end of this month as we're recording this uh, uh, there. Why don't you guys give me a quick two seconds on uh, on where you'll be at Enterprise Connect and uh, what you'll be presenting on, because we all also happen to be presenters at Enterprise Connect. Sure, that'd be great. So I am presenting five different sessions at Enterprise Connect, two of which I'm presenting with Irwin, and these are on WebRTC and where the market is. We'll also be talking about some really cool WebRTC apps, and we've titled that WebRTC Stories. 
Then I'll be doing a few other sessions. Uh, one that I'll highlight is a Cisco versus Microsoft session. And this has become a fairly well attended uh, annual event. This will be the fourth or fifth time that I've done that uh, session. And uh, it's a 75 minute session in which we contrast and compare the philosophies and the product offerings and so forth. We don't say one is better than another. We just we just provide facts and opinion about these two different offerings. Sometimes we talk about how they can work together. Uh, another one I'll mention is I'm doing one out on the lawn on Wednesday, artificial intelligence and its influence and potential influence within the communication space. Erwin? Yeah, and in addition to the two sessions that Brent mentioned around WebRTC, I've got two. One is a team chat session um, Monday morning which will be providing some of our data that I talked about. And then we'll have a panel discussion with a couple of the vendors that, that were listed. I believe uh, Unify and uh, Alcatel-Lucent, I know for at least uh, those two, there's one more I'm forgetting. Uh, but but we'll, we'll talk about what do you need to do from an enterprise perspective to address a lot of the issues we covered here around governance and around integration with existing environments and what's the right direction? Is it an overlay? Is it stick with your UC vendor and so on? Uh, my final session is on Thursday morning is focused around Enterprise 911. And uh, one of those areas that you know, we'd like to talk about new and exciting and really cool things, but one of the most important uh, requirements of a communication system is to make sure that people can actually communicate when they need to. And in this case, we'll be looking at how you find individuals, how they, how, when they call for emergency help, you can get the first responders to them regardless of where they are and if they're on a soft phone or Wi-Fi network or even on a mobile device. So it should be an exciting uh, session as well. That sounds great. You guys are much more prolific than I am. I got to have a conversation with Eric at some point. I'm just going to be a panelist on uh, the video cloud session talking about what's going on with visual collaboration in the cloud and uh, being joined by some uh, representatives of some of the bigger companies out there in the space. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing and meeting people there. I also do want to highlight and bring out again uh, the honor that we all received about being um, uh, emerging technology fellows for Infocom's Emerging Trends Day. This is taking place June 13th, the day before before Infocom starts, also in Orlando this year. Infocom bounces back and forth between Vegas and Orlando, and this is an Orlando year. Um, so I hope people will come down and join us. It's going to be a really exciting opportunity to hear from experts in the field, to sit in on very brief 30-minute presentations on whatever topic of emerging trends and emerging technology you're interested in. And when we're not presenting there, we will all be in a lounge across the hall where people can have one-on-one -on -one conversations with us. And I'm really excited that Infocom and the IMCCA are putting this program together this year, specifically because there are a couple other trade shows that we used to be at, you know, around the uh, May, uh, June timeframe that are no longer covering collaboration. So I think this is going to be a great opportunity for people to come out and find, uh, find us and learn about the topics. So Erwin, um, Brent, thank you very much for joining me. Um, again, my name is David Danto, and this program is, uh, is Connected Everything IoT. It's brought to you by the great uh, underwriters of AV Nation TV, companies like Draper and others. Um, and hopefully we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us.